Now dig this, Matt. Y'all know I love stationery. Y'all know I love to take notes. I love to write. I love to write on paper. I love to write notebooks. Matt, what'd you get me for Christmas this year? I got you notebooks and pens and organizers. Correct. I love it. Uh, And I find that it genuinely helps me remember things better as opposed to typing them or like putting them on a, like a text file or whatever, actually writing something down physically helps me a lot. It helps me organize my thoughts. It helps me get my work done. And ever since I got my new uh, iPad and I got the Apple pencil with it, I have been doing that on there and that's great. The only problem I've had with it, it doesn't quite feel like writing on paper, which is a feeling I like. We have the solution to that problem. That's right. Paper-like. As I mentioned at the top of the show, it's a screen protector for your iPad. It uses a proprietary technology called NanoDots. With those NanoDots, you feel the natural resistance of paper on your iPad screen. It is a paper-like feeling on your iPad. So if you're drawing, if you're taking notes, if you're using your iPad like you would a notebook... Here's the way for it to really feel natural. And Chris, I know you love that. You you have an iPad, you got a paper like, and I'm sure it's it feels just right for you. It does. It feels great to use. Also, Matt, you know I'm very particular about paper. I have yes. specific brands of notebooks that I will and will not use, and paper like feels good on the iPad. Uh they also make accessories for the pencil to make the pencil a little more comfortable to hold. They make uh, accessories to help you clean the iPad as well. They've got it all. The ability to handwrite notes in a digital form is great to begin with, but getting that extra tactile feeling that makes me happy while I do it, (laughs) that gives me that little dopamine, that little serotonin burst that I like to have, is fantastic. The latest version of the Paperlike is manufactured in Switzerland using high-quality plastic foils designed for maximum picture clarity. You're not going to lose any of the definition of your iPad screen if you put a paper-like on there. And these foils are developed exclusively for paper-like products. It also always comes in a set of two, so you have a spare. Look, we know a lot of artists listen to this show. If you're an artist and you're looking for a way to make drawing on your iPad feel a little bit better... This is how you do it. So, to pick up your Paperlike, head over to paperlike.com slash Ajax, click Buy Paperlike, and select your iPad size. From now, right now, until the end of January, Paperlike is also including their Digital Pro Planner Bundle at no extra cost for every order placed through the Paperlike store. Plus, shipping is completely free. So if you're ready to do more with your iPad, head over to paperlike.com slash Ajax, to get started. Clytus, I'm bored. What plaything can you offer me today? That's more Rocket Ajax to bring back his body. Welcome to War Rocket Ajax. This is the internet's most explosive comic book and pop culture podcast, and we are your hosts. My name is Chris Sims. With me, as always, is Matt Wilson. Matt, how are you? 
Chris, I'm doing okay. How are you? Doing just fine, buddy. Doing just fine. I'm so happy to hear it. Are you on your way to the uncanny experience this I weekend? Am, uh, it is. It is as we record this. It is in my future. As you listen to this, it is in your past. I love that for you. That I that I exist in a liminal time. <laughs> that that you will have experienced it. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. I've got my uh, my restock came in today, so I've got some some books that hopefully people will give me money for, which would be great. I, I would love for people to give me money. Yeah, you always hope for that. I mean, I hope for it just like, you know, walking down the street, personally. Yes, always, in every situation, if people give me money, I would be satisfied with that. Yeah. I mean, look, you're not gonna you're not gonna not be happy about it if someone just walks up and says, hey, here's 20 bucks. Never. Like, Never in my be, life. That would be the best thing that happened to you all day. <laughs> yeah. Unless somebody came up and gave you a hundred bucks. Well, yeah, yes. But all other things being equal, if someone just walked up to you and gave you twenty bucks, you would be happy as a clam. You'd be telling people about it all week. So here's my advice to you, dear listeners. Give me twenty dollars. <laughs> <laughs> well, Speaking of things that you're going to be talking about all week and giving people money for something, our guests this week are people you're going to want to gladly give your money to for the new comic book, The Alternates. Jordan Bloom and Tim Seeley are joining us for the show this week to talk about uh, that brand new comic from the world of Minor Threats, uh, which was released just last week. So you can go buy it right now as we're talking into these microphones. Uh, So we're going to talk to them. It's going to be a blast. We're going to talk about all the weird comics we like and how they inspired the alternates. I can't wait for that, Chris. It's going to be a good time and a good discussion. Uh, Plus, Tim Seeley and I will talk about a truly bizarre convention experience that we had. So it's it's a good time. It's a good time, folks. But before we get to Tim and Jordan, Chris, we do have some business to take care of here at the top of the show. The first bit of business, as always, is thanking our supporters over on Patreon. That's right, Matt. Now, these are the people who have gone all the way down to 651 Gimmick Street, and you know what's there. Well, let's see. Was the t-shirt printing shop at 650? I I think it was I think we're on the bridge. No, we we're on the other side of the bridge. We're we went over a lake. Oh, okay. Yeah. We went over the we, lake. We went over the bridge. This is not the the Phil Collins saw that guy saw that guy die memorial bridge. That's on a different part of Gimmick Street. Yeah, this is the uh the bridge that Anthony Kiedis used to live under. <laughs> right. When when he would when he would abduct billy goats from local towns, <laughs> yeah. So what is it? Six fifty one. It's got to be something cool. What you tell me, Chris? Well, Matt, you said it. It's got to be Kane. Oh, it, it's just it's just Glenn just Jacobs. Kane. It's just, no, it's not Glenn Jacobs. <laughs> it's just Kane. He's there, and that's got to be him. Wow. And I'll tell you what you can do if you want to go see if you want to go see Kane. 
hop on that bridge. Or get out your phone and just type Kane into the the internet browser that's on your phone or on your computer or on your, your tablet or other internet-enabled device. And hey, which Kane are we talking about? Could be any of them. Spell it however you want. Could, could be, be a spider clone. Could be the Undertaker's demon brother. Could be the fourth person. Could be the fourth person. That's true. Yeah. It could be. Could be David Kane. <laughs> legacy of Kane. Could be Soul Reaver Legacy of Kane. <laughs> That's true. Where you do not play as Kane in that game. You remember what the guy's name is in Soul Reaver? What is the guy's name in Soul Reaver? I don't even know. I was literally asking you if you remember what that guy's name is. I thought you were setting me up. I don't remember his name, though. Let's see. Soul Reaver. Uh, Raziel. Raziel, yes, that, that was his name. Not to be confused oh. with the hop artist Raziel. Okay, before Benito corrects me, Kane was the older brother, so he would have been the third person. Third person. Sorry. Sorry. The third Sorry. person, of course, the inventor of pronouns. That's right. That's right. He did that's one really right. bad thing, and he did one pretty good thing. I think that's a very funny joke about narration. It's, it is funny. I agree. I agree. Thank you, Matt. Um, hey, go to Patreon and give us money. Yeah, I don't have any new you names to read. Like this don't come in free. <laughs> I don't have any new names to read, so give me some names to read next week. As previously instructed, give me $20. Thank you to everyone who does support us over on Patreon. Uh, our number of supporters currently is just under 400. We were well above 400 for quite some time. And uh, we got to get back to that funny weed number. We got to get back to that funny weed number. We got to get back to it. So help us out. Head over to patreon.com slash warrocketHX. Kick in as little as a dollar a month to get us back to that funny weed number. Uh, As a patron, as somebody who kicks in as little as $1 a month, you get every single one of our shows completely ad-free. You get this show weekly. You get Comics Catch-Up, which just went up, in which we discussed uh, Jack Kirby's Captain Victory, the entire series for this month's Comics Catch-Up. You get every Story Ever specials that we do every month. You get Movie Fighters and Snack Situation. Uh, I currently have the snack for Snack Situation in my kitchen. So we're going to do something spooky for Snack Situation this month. Uh, So all of those shows you get completely ad-free as a patron. You can also get other cool stuff like bonus content, bonus audio that we record, outtakes from the show, bonus writing that Chris does in the form of video game reviews. Uh, I've read a couple things over there, but Chris has done most of the bonus writing over there on the Patreon that is totally Patreon exclusive. Line stepping privileges for our after interview segment, which isn't really an after interview segment anymore. Uh, Thursday Night Raw, which we just do specials of every few weeks and every story ever. Physical rewards. All of that stuff is made possible. Uh, If you are a supporter on Patreon, you can get those things. If you were unable to support us monetarily to give us free money, as we discussed, 
you can help us out in other ways. You can give us five stars on the podcasting app that you use, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts, give us five stars if you would be so kind. And uh, you can also just spread the word about the show. Word of mouth. Get the word out. Let people know, hey, there's a podcast I like, and you should listen to it. With that, Chris... And give them $20. That's right. With that, Chris, it's time for us to do some checks and recs. What do you say? Let's do it. Chris, what do you have to check in with this week? Well, Matt, as you know, we're not we're not watching movies right now. Well, if we are, we're not talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm not I'm not I haven't watched any movies in a while. I haven't watched any TV in a while either. I mostly watch uh YouTube videos of people talking about media that I already like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh but there's there's something else that has has taken up my uh, attention lately. Uh, and it is, it's not a YouTube video, but it is about media, but it's not about media that I like. I don't know why I'm making this so complicated. Matt, I've been listening to your <laughs> other podcast, Friends Till the End. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, which, for people who uh, don't know, that is the podcast that you do with uh, Benito Sereno and Erica Henderson. That's right. That is about the television show Chucky. And the the movies that led to it, and then later, just anything with a haunted doll in it. Yeah, any any movie about haunted dolls. Yeah, that's what we've been doing lately on the show. the the new The third season of Chucky is starting in a couple of weeks, so we'll start talking about those episodes then. But for the past several months, we've just been doing. Assorted doll movies. Assorted doll movies. You haven't yes. gotten you, you teased doing uh, uh, Puppet Master. We did Puppet Master. We did, did Puppet, you do Puppet Master? Master. Oh, I yeah. didn't think you'd done those yet. We just did the first one. You know, we haven't I, done. I was thinking about how there's like sixteen Wishmaster movies, <laughs> and how it's. I often get Wishmaster confused with Puppet Master, and then Page Master confused with Wishmaster. A lot of masters. Yeah, Wishmaster is about an evil genie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Puppet Master is very weird, and there are like 16 of those movies, too. But we've only done an episode about the first one. Uh, but yeah, I've been, uh, I've been I'm listening and catching up. It's a weird experience for me, because I li- of, of you, Benito, Erica, and the doll haunted by the spirit of serial murderer Charles Lee Ray. I like three of those four things. <laughs> and absolutely do not like the other one. Uh, but it has been very interesting for me to to listen to this as... A, you've made jokes a couple times about people uh, listening to the show without watching Chucky. Yeah. And I haven't even, like... I am woefully unfamiliar I was kind of shocked and delighted to hear about how in Chucky continuity, the body of Jennifer Tilly is currently possessed by the spirit of the character that Jennifer Tilly played in the movie. Yeah. Tiffany, Tiffany. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very fun show. I have been enjoying it. I'm glad to hear it. I, I, 
would hope that uh, that others listening to this would go check out Friends Till the End. It is always uh, fun to do, and uh, Chris, I'm glad you like it. Yeah, you can hear uh, you can hear Matt say uh, opinions about some media. You can hear Erica uh, write essays. Yeah, uh, and and read them. Uh, these incredible introductions to discussions of Tiffany Valentine. And you can hear Benito fucking talk shit about me. Thinking <laughs> that I'm never going to hear it. You can hear that. That's fun for everyone. Friends till the end. Two L's. It's good. It's a good show. You should listen to it. Matt, what have you been up to this week while I've been catching up on your uh, other ventures? Well, Chris, I want to talk about two things here in my check. First of all, uh, you may remember a comic book that I wrote some number of years ago that was published digitally by Monkey Brain Comics, a comics concern that is sadly defunct. Mm -hmm. Uh, And thus, it was no longer available on Comixology after Comixology Submit folded. It was called Copernicus Jones Robot Detective. Until this week, that book was basically available nowhere. Uh, You could buy a trade paperback from me if you met me, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) If you walked up to Matt on the street and gave him $20. Yeah. But aside from that, uh, there there was pretty much no way to buy that comic. Um, That has changed. uh, Because I finally figured out how to post comics on itch.io I tried to do that some number of months ago and was baffled by itch itch.io's like setup because that is not a website for comics that is a website for like games right? I don't know what that's a website for because it has what is arguably the worst search function I have ever seen yeah that is true, um, but it's it it is ostensibly a website for for games like video games and tabletop games. But they have made it at least somewhat easier to sell, upload, and sell comic books there. So, well, as of this recording, there's one issue of Copernicus Jones on itch.io. By the time this episode goes up, there will be two, and my plan is to post an issue of Copernicus Jones there every week uh, for the next little bit. Uh, So if you never were able to read Copernicus Jones Robot Detective, um, just for for whatever reason, uh, it will once again be available to buy, perhaps as a whole, um, within the next few weeks. And uh, actually... The website Comics Online did a a very uh, nice review of the series uh, this week. You know, gave it a little push. I would love to get it back into publication at some point, somewhere. Um, But for now, if you want to grab it, the issues digitally are a buck over on itch.io. The other thing I wanted to bring up... Chris, you've got a con coming up. I also have a con coming up. It is going to be September 30th and October 1st at the Harris Cherokee Center here in Asheville, North Carolina. 
It's called Beer City Comic Con. I'll be tabling there. I'll have books. I'll have Ajax t-shirts. And uh, I may even bring my big old bag of Ajax keychains with me uh, to to uh, sell to folks. So I'll be hanging out there. If you want to come see me at Beer City Comic Con, uh, I would be happy to, uh, to say hi. Uh, it is a two-day con. Uh, September 30th and October 1st, the Saturday and the Sunday. Uh, there are lots of other uh, cool guests who are going to be at that show. Kyle Higgins, Matt Manning, who also lives here in Asheville. Mark Russell is going to be there. Mm. Uh, Fred Van Linty, Laura Banks, who lives here in Asheville as well, who was in Star Trek Two, who my wife has done Star Trek-themed improv with. But plenty of other cool guests too. Rico Renzi is going to be there. Um, lots of other folks. So uh, yeah, come on out to uh, Beer City Comic Con. Should be should be fun. Come out to Beer City Comic Con. Give Matt twenty dollars. Please give me twenty dollars. Chris, it's time to make some recommendations. What do you have to recommend, Matt? As you know, uh, I am a devotee of the burgeoning survivors genre of video games. Mm, uh, yes. Uh, most notably, vampires were surviving. Yes. Or perhaps people were surviving vampires? It's a gray area. Well, that's what th- these are the questions that the upcoming animated series will surely answer. I didn't know there was going to be one. Yeah, bud. That's wild. They announced it. It is wild. It's wild that, I mean, I'm excited to see how they make a game with no plot that is 100% about the experience of play. Like, I'm excited. Wait, did they make it before the strike? They announced it a couple months ago that it was in development. Or that it had been optioned or something. Okay. So so it may be held up by... It may be held up. Or maybe it's... Since the game has no plot, they need no writers. Maybe. I I mean, they probably need writers. Probably, yeah. But you know what? All of the, the little uh, bestiary entries in that game are incredibly funny. That's true. So, so they, they've got writers doing something. Anyway, Vampire Survivors. Uh, I have picked up probably a dozen games of that genre since uh, my first experience with Vampire Survivors. Partly because they are kind of the the perfect video games to decompress with because they require absolutely no thought. And, you know, they're also very fun. And they're also almost always cheap, which I appreciate. So I have two of them to recommend. Two new ones that I think are... Uh, of the ones I've played, first of all, among the highest in quality, for sure, but also that do really interesting things with the the core idea of a vampire survivors. Uh, the first is called uh, Nordic Ashes, uh, which is, uh, as you can probably tell, it is Viking-themed, uh, and in fact, the subtitle of it, just to make sure you get it, is uh, it is Nordic Ashes, Survivors of Ragnarok. 
and uh, each level is one of the nine realms. Uh, it is an early access game, so I think only up to uh, Helheim are are currently uh, available. Asgard Asgard is coming soon, <laughs> uh, but each of the worlds has its own little quirk and its own little uh, additional uh, problem to deal with. Like in Helheim, like the enemies will come back to life, uh, which is which is very fun. The characters all have their own specific sets of abilities, uh, so it's not quite the you know, everybody gets access to the same weapons, uh, aside from your starting one, uh, type of thing that you get in, uh, Vampire Survivors. But it is, it's very interesting, and all of the characters are actually very fun to play. Again, super high quality, very fun, very interestingly done, and, and very, like, well designed, like, in, in terms of visual design. Uh, pretty straightforward. The other one is called Army of Ruin. Again, I, I think this one is no longer in early access. I think this is a, a full release game on Steam. It is as close to like actual vampire survivors as anything else I've ever played. Uh, very similar, with the difference being that uh, it kind of doles things out a little slowly. Like, you unlock pretty much everything in the game. Not just characters, of which there are quite a few, uh, who each have their own special ability. But also, you literally unlock features of the game. Like, uh, the ability to uh, do a like super attack. Or the ability to uh, favorite items so that they come up more often in the, in the randomization. Or... Uh, the ability to play the endless mode of a stage. Like, all of those are unlocked. So each of the stages has its own little set of quests that you have to do with a certain character or use a certain weapon. It's it's very... It's exactly the kind of thing where you're like, oh, okay, I can, I can play another round of this. I can play another round of this. <laughs> I can play another round of this. And then it's 2 o'clock in the morning. Very, very fun in that way. Also really well designed, uh, not quite as slick as some of the other ones that I've played, but but definitely worth giving a shot if you like uh, the genre. Uh, I believe those games are $4.99 and $7.99 respectively, so as you know, dear listener, it's under $10. It's basically free. So go check those out. They are both available on Steam, and they both play very well on the Steam Deck. Matt! What are you recommending to the people this week? Well, Chris, my recommendation does come with a content warning. Um, If you have any kind of triggers around sexual assaults or stories about it, I would say don't read this book. Um, But if you can handle that kind of content and it's actually very well handled in the book itself. Um, I finally finished Kate Beaton's ducks and it is absolutely beautiful. And the thing about that book to me is that at no point does it sensationalize or 
over-dramatize any part of the story. If anything, it really, really underplays everything. Like, it's all kind of just a series of events that's happening around and to Kate as she works in the oil sands of Alberta for two years. And there's something about the understatement of it that is, one, extraordinarily Canadian, and two, sort of makes the impact that much more. Um, like, the things that happen in the book, like, again, it, ha- it all happens in a very kind of matter-of-fact, here's-the-way-it-happened kind of way. It's when Kate thinks about what happened later and sort of has flashes of it that she thinks about and, and sees in her memory that it has way more of an effect on her. And that feels very real to me and feels very true to experience um, in a way that I was not expecting from the book. You know, ha- having mostly read Kate Beaton's funnier work uh, in the form of Harka Baker and stuff like that. It's not that I didn't think she could do like a, a serious kind of dramatic sort of story, but again, the understatement of it all in the book is, is really well done. And also like she really flexes her art muscles in that book too. Like where she's drawing kind of like the big equipment in these oil drilling sites and stuff. It's it's stunning and a really, really beautiful book that I think if, again, if you were okay with reading a book with that sort of content in it, um, is, is absolutely, absolutely worth checking out. Um, and also, quite funnily, throughout the book, so it's taking place right after Kate gets out of college which would make it like 2005-ish. And by the time she's about to leave the oil sands, she has started doing Harka Vagrant. So she starts, she'll like occasionally have a conversation with somebody, like a coworker, about the comics she's putting online. <laughs> which is kind of just a funny little thing, the way it's, again, it's addressed in this incredibly understated way, um, where she was like becoming like, you know, a webcomic superstar. And it's just these, you know, basic conversations like, Oh, you're putting some comics online. Are you? Yeah. It's, it's just fun to do, <laughs> you know, those kind of conversations. Um, so, uh, ducks is my recommendation. Go read it. If you haven't. All right. With that, Chris, let's talk about some of the other comics the ones that came out this week. The Texture's Choice winner for this week, Chris, is Avengers Inc. number one. Because boy, that's a comic book that has the sound effects pum back on page one. Page, yeah, like right up front. Starting strong. Pum's back, justice is served. You making me think about fucking the Scourge of the Underworld, boy? 
That is a <laughs> that Matt. That is incredible phrasing and accent work. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's that's what what when I used to get pulled over in North Carolina, that's what they would say. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you making me think about the scourge of the underworld, boy. Uh, this is Al Ewing writing with Leonard Kirk on the art. And in so many ways, this feels like a comic that's just for me. It it really does. Like it, it feels like it is for listeners of this program. <laughs> yes. Because what is in this comic? Pumps back. A discussion of the scourge of the underworld. Fucking Anaconda from the Serpent Society. Along with numerous other C-list villains that, like, I did not think I would see in this book. Oh yeah, but the last time you and I saw the Griffin was in an issue of uh, Mark Grunewald's Captain America, for sure. Griffin, Piledriver, uh, Sandstorm, they're all here. The, 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 the heavens must be empty. <laughs> The C-list heavens must be empty, for all the C-list stars are here tonight. This is a kind of a, a stealth wasp solo series. Well, it's it's picking up right where the Al Ewing uh, wasp book and the Al Ewing Ant-Man book left off. Right, because Erica Grady is is in this uh, by the end. Yeah, but but I think the draw here for you and I is certainly uh, C-list villains. Well, what's great is, okay, so the, the sort of Avengers lounge that Wasp set up in the miniseries is a big part of this book. And she is sort of forming a team with Luke Cage. And Jarvis is also there. And then by the end of the of the book, we're spoiling it, for sure. By the end of the book, we get Whirlwind, but now he's Victor Shade, a.k.a. Vision, but he's a dude who's Vision. Yeah. He is the Vision. Yeah. But he's also, he has the Vision powers. Yes. But he is also a dude. Who is Whirlwind? <laughs> Who is Whirlwind? Yeah. It's it's interesting. Yeah. There's a lot and, going on. There's a lot going on here. And there's there's kind of like a you know, an underlying mystery element to this that I think is really cool. Al Ewing is doing it, man. Yeah, man. He's like, let me let me do the weird shit. That makes Marvel good. And people may not know it's what makes Marvel good. But real heads know. <laughs> it, it, I would almost say that this comic is FHO. Uh-huh. Because it is, it, it, it is for heads only. It's really for heads, yes. <laughs> but I love it. I yeah. love it. We are in a weird era of... Superhero comics where the premise is that uh, someone lives in a place 
and then other people come to that place and tell them their problems. That is like Marvel Comics right now, right? Yeah. Like superheroes set up a headquarters, set up a spot that is now their spot, and people come and ask them to do stuff. And for better or worse, I like it. Let's talk about Batman and Robin number one, uh, the new series by Joshua Williamson and Simone DeMeo. This is a fun book where uh, Damien moves in with Bruce in his brownstone, and Bruce is like, hey, you got to go to school. But also, it is just an incredibly beautiful art showcase. The the Simone DeMeo art in here, along with the colors, uh, which I guess Simone DeMeo... Yeah, Simone DeMeo is credited for the art and color. It blew me away how good it was. Yeah, it's really good. Uh, Really strong art. Honestly, really strong characterization, too. I have always known Joshua Williamson as uh, as a Batman guy, you know, a guy who likes Batman. Yeah. And so the way that he writes the relationship between Dick and Damien, or uh, Bruce and Damien, is really, really interesting. Because it's Bruce saying stuff like, hey, you need to go to school because I don't want you, I want you to have the childhood that I didn't have. And Damien going, I don't want a childhood. I was trained by the League of Assassins. I'm fine. I have some solutions for crime problems. Yeah. Which yeah. is very, like, very enjoyable. And Orca the Whale Woman is in this book. Also, there's a there's a whole gang of of weird freaks. <laughs> weird animal themed villains, yes. Yeah. There's the it's it's the terrible trio. Love those guys. Love the terrible trio. Orca the, the Terrible Trio, who spend this comic wearing masks like the Terrible Trio does, and then it is revealed that that they are wear that they are wearing the masks of animals over actual animal heads that they have now. Yes. Yes. Great. Love it. Yes. Love it. Uh, there's Orca the Whale Woman. There's Killer Croc, obviously, who at one point declares, We got family. And Man Bat. Trying to get that clutch Vin Diesel audition for uh, for Killer Croc. Yeah. Honestly, Vin Diesel would be a great Killer Croc. It would be. Uh, it's, I, you know, I think this book, I think the art alone sells it, but the story is also very, very fun. So it's 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 a fun time. Highly enjoyable. Highly enjoyable. Uh, one last book. I did not get to this one, Chris, but you checked it out. Uh, the Werewolf by Night one-shot that came out. Yeah, uh, which, like the Werewolf by Night television special, uh, is a stealth Elsa Bloodstone book. That's right. It's your girl, Elsa B. My my favorite Marvel character. Yeah. This is just fully next wave Elsa Bloodstone, right? I mean, she's wearing the same costume and everything. I mean, that's what Elsa Bloodstone has been since that book. Yeah. yeah. No no one, as the only person who read Bloodstone, 
no one is clamoring for the return of blonde Elsa Bloodstone. I was her only fan. Hang on. <laughs> oh man, I feel like I accidentally made a joke about Elsa Bloodstone's only fans. <laughs> And I can't, I can't quite make it happen, but I know I'm at the finish line of that one. You know what, though? I, I think this Elsa Bloodstone would have one, and for her it would be empowering. Probably, maybe. Um, yeah. there, is, uh, there is a lot of discussion of her uh, and uh, Werewolf by Night having a, a past relationship. Uh, which is very fun. Uh, but yeah, just a, a really good, fun, spooky uh, Halloween adventure a little bit early. It got me in the mood. You know, the, the weather is finally cooling down. It got me in the mood for a little bit of spookiness. It definitely uh, seems inspired by the the special. Just in the kind of mix of black and white and color pages like all, all yeah. of the elsa bloodstone stuff is in color and all the El- War- werewolf by night stuff is in black and white yeah very much. even when they're on panel together which is a really really cool effect like yeah. when they when they meet up and he's still in black and white and she's the only thing in color as they're fighting this uh uh i i think the character's name is doctor necromantic uh but it's a very it's very fun Highly enjoyable. Highly recommended if you, like me, are are one of the real heads who just loves Elsa Bloodstone. Just to mention, the writer of the book is Derek Landy, and the artist is Fran Galan. Two creators I am not especially familiar with, but if this book is good, maybe I'll find more of their work. Uh, it's really weird to me that the Werewolf by Night brand is now stronger than the Bloodstone brand. Like, the, this is called Werewolf by Night and not Bloodstone. Or, like, Monsters Unleashed or or anything like that. The Werewolf yeah. by Night brand is strong. Although the next, I guess the follow-up book is Crypt of Shadows. So... There you go. All right, Chris, that is going to do it for our comic segment, which means it is time for us to talk about another new comic that came out this week, The Alternates, with Tim Seeley and Jordan Bloom. What do you say? Let's do it. Joining us for the program this week, we are very excited to welcome back at, at least one old friend of the show, and someone that I am personally, I, I believe we're on pretty good terms. Uh, They're here to talk to us about uh, the new book from Dark Horse Comics, The Alternates, Jordan Bloom and Tim Seeley. Welcome to the show. How are you? Good. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Chris. It's just been too goddamn long. It has been. I we'll talk about the book in a minute. And where we stand, Chris, if I would, I'm ready to call us friends. If you are, I know Tim's the old friend. No, no, so you're ready. the old friend of the well, show. I'm the old friend. What's so Tim is? You don't know where you stand with him. 
Tim, I, I honestly could not remember if we'd had Tim on the show before. No, I don't think so. Okay. Well, I mean, yeah, maybe. I don't know. It's been a while. I think it's been a while. If yeah. we did, it's been like years, I think. Yeah, that's the problem with having one of the, at this point, longest running comic book podcasts yes. in, in the biz. Just so we don't get corrected and, you know, all of that stuff. Tim, you were on episode 122. <laughs> this is episode 651. So, <laughs> oh, yeah, it's been a bit. Well, that it doesn't. See, I knew, I knew there was some somewhere in there, but yeah, okay. Well, you know, it's it's nothing like the present to catch up. And 400 episodes later, and that's what, like 12 years or whatever. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. It's been a, it's been a minute. I was thinking that. I'm sure we have probably run into each other at some point since what I'm thinking of, but I don't think we've like properly hung out, uh, really caught up since uh, we were at that con at Myrtle Beach. Yeah. So that's like what, 2012, 2013, somewhere in there? It was, uh, Hickman was laying out his run on Avengers. So okay. it was, yeah, like 20, 2012, 2013, I think. Oh, shit. Yeah, I mean, I remember, yeah, that's crazy. And I went to that show like four or five years worth because it, it was never particularly busy, but I just like come down hanging out with you guys. And then, you know, it would just be like evening sitting around with you and Bowers and John Hickman at like a closed beach resort uh, <laughs> while, while like a dude uh, dressed as Clark Kent was making out with somebody from America's Top Model in the pool below. That was like that kind of convention. Yeah. Uh, that is not an exaggeration of those events. That literally happened. <laughs> yes, it did happen. <laughs> uh, that was the show where uh, our buddy, uh, uh, Dr. K, uh, had Walter Jones, the uh, original Black Ranger, uh, like hop up onto his balcony because he was on like the second floor, I think. And he was like, we're going to go swim in the ocean. <laughs> yes. Because we were at a beachfront hotel in the off season. Yeah, it was such a crazy place to have a convention. It was like dead ass quiet. There was just miles of these empty beach hotels. Uh, I remember like uh, when we went in the pool uh, and there was a bunch of skinny dipping going on uh, among some of the others. There was like leaves floating on the surface. <laughs> it was just it was a really weird thing. It was fun as hell though. I was I have like some of my weirdest celebrity encounters uh, at that show. Like just with like like you said, all the Power Rangers and. Um, the guy who played the uh, in Charlie and Chocolate Factory, the Oompa Loompa, uh, Deep Roy, I, I ended up hanging out with him all night one time. It was just like one of those conventions. <laughs> I'm hearing all this, and the image I'm seeing is all those people naked in a pool with a naked <laughs> Jonathan Hickman pitching his Avengers run to them and laying it out. It was something like that. It, it wasn't. It wasn't entirely not that. How about I'll say that? Yeah, I, I, it wasn't not that. <laughs> you know, conventions are never going to be the same post-COVID. So let's just start mythologizing what they were like pre-COVID. I, I'm for this. Yeah, I mean, I mean, this is this is all like fully legit. Like this was the same con that they had pro wrestling in the middle of the con. That's right. That included like a super jacked 13 year old. <laughs> That's right. Amazing. That was incredible. Yeah. Man, and I just remember, so Myrtle Beach also famously, it's like a golf town, so it has the most ridiculous strip clubs I've ever seen in my life. Like, multi-level 
strip clubs to take care of all the golfers. So whenever we would end up there, it would always be like, well, there's one thing to do in this place that's still open. And that's the strip clubs because the bars were all closed because there was no like tourists, but there was definitely golfers. So it was like just, yeah, blowing whatever little money you made at the show at $12 uh, waters and $44 cocktails at this <laughs> giant strip club. And that's where Jonathan Hickman laid out his plans for secret. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's where, that's where Deep Roy was like, you know what I like? What if? <laughs> you should do something with some of those. <laughs> oh man, Deep Roy, he he was a super interesting guy cuz he like I've had this happen to me a couple times where like some like like a real world celebrity like rolls into a comic convention and they kind of go like, uh, I got to hang out with somebody this weekend uh and then I'll be always the one got the guy standing there with a beer already and they're like, "I'll take that guy." And so then <laughs> then I'm like the the guide through the nerd world with, you know, some some kind of celebrity dude like you know the ancient aliens guy or something like that's what always those conventions were i was gonna ask like this isn't something we've talked about before but i feel like you have done enough cons in your time you've been around long enough you've done like you've you've worked in like horror stuff a lot yeah so if you were going to like if someone asked me, hey, who do you think has had the weirdest celebrity encounter at a con? Tim Seeley. No question. My first guess. Probably. Yeah, I mean, yes, probably. Uh, I feel like, well, so then when I started hanging out with Jordan, then I met like real celebrities like, you know, Patton and stuff. So now I'm kind of jaded and I just go, you know, whatever. And now I'm like a big time guy. But, uh, you know, that's not true. Tim at San Diego this year after we had a dinner it took us on like a Copacabana backwards tour through restaurants to get to some other place that he knew was the hangout. It was it was exactly the scene from uh, from Goodfellas, but at Comic Con hotels to take us to the bar we needed to be. <laughs> yeah, but I, that, like I and because I worked in the, I was you know like an independent guy, so I wasn't making any money and I have big lines or anything. I, so I I was always at the show and I was going you know. Like I would do any show, so yes, you're right. I've definitely had some some pretty weird ones. Like almost at every con for about ten years there before you know I started uh, not taking anybody who wanted to go up on some kind of uh, crazy drunken adventure up on their request. Uh, I've been somewhat more well behaved in the last ten years, but but uh, yeah, probably I've seen some shit. Definitely, I've seen some. I've seen some. Uh, <laughs> I've seen the people be drunk that you wouldn't expect to see really drunk, and I've. I saw Power Rangers jumping over the balconies of a hotel uh, just because they were wasted and they were trying to ha- <laughs> trying to like pick up beers from each other and stuff. It was yeah, crazy stuff. Incredible. And and when you say people you wouldn't expect to see drunk, we of course mean Chad Bowers. <laughs> yes, I have seen that as well. Yes, <laughs> it's much quieter. It's it's much quieter than the average drunk person. It's just a. a <laughs> It's just it's just us sitting in the corner talking about John Ostrander for <laughs> right. three minutes. Yeah, right, exactly. Or G.I. Joe. Like it's mostly just like he's yeah. a little bit more willing to express his G.I. Joe opinions. Which is not a that's not a high bar to clear. No, no, no. But he might let you know that one figure he didn't like that much. <laughs> that's true. That's true. So how did you guys like meet up and start uh working on the alternates? Because I feel like I feel like I have known the two of you for, I mean, clearly for 500 episodes of this show. Uh, and 
I, I feel bad because I did not do my due diligence and tell you guys that you should be friends. You had to you had to do that on your own. <laughs> we figured it out. We found the universe uh, brought us together. Uh, I was a- adapting uh, one of of Tim's comics uh, as an animated project, and we met through that and realized that we love exactly the same mid eighties comic books. Uh, I feel like if it had that, that Marvel border around it for the 25th anniversary, that's our like sweet spot. Uh, (laughs) I think it, you know, from there we just kept talking ideas and stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, the thing that Jordan and I were supposed to do was money shot, which I think we can, we can, we'll just, we can tell you. And he had so many great ideas for it that, and that were somewhere better than mine. And I was like, well, there's got to be other stuff he wants to do. And then, yeah, I made the mistake of being like, hey, so how do you feel about the bar with no name or or <laughs> Night, Nightcrawler in uh, Crystar Crystal Warrior or whatever those kind of things? And he would be like, what? And then we would have all these massive conversations about uh, stuff that we thought no one else cared about. So uh, Two hours was- on the Serpent Society, at least. <laughs> yeah, we <laughs> really liked the Serpent Society between us. <laughs> and so, uh, but yeah. And then we kind of, you know, we're passing books back and forth. So I know, like, I sent a very early uh, copy of, you know, Local Man before we even had finished, you know, kind of figuring out what it was going to be about. We kind of just did the first issue I sent Jordan then. And then he passed me Minor Threats issue one uh, really early. And I, I read it. And I was just like, you know, I loved it. Obviously, it's like totally the kind of thing that I would be into. I read that first issue and I kind of was psyched up about the possibilities of it. And then, like, the next day, I think, I just had this nugget of an idea. Um, if Minor Threats, the way that, that uh, Patton and, and Jordan had just done, was about sort of those B-level villains, uh, like a, you know, kind of uh, exploration of the psychology of those guys, then I was kind of had the, the notion of, like, well, what about the guys who've been rebooted a bunch of times uh, and made into mature readers' characters and then got shoved back into the regular universe? So it was kind of the specifically sort of the forgotten hero characters, you know, like animal man, those guys were, it was like a bunch of characters. They tried to make happen and no one cared. So they were like, okay, go ahead and make them be psychologically tormented and have their penises hanging out in uh, vertigo comics. So it was kind of the idea of like, what if those characters, you know, they are aware of what happens to them and, and what would that have? What would that be like to someone to be like, I live this other life and I was taken seriously and I was sophisticated uh, and I felt things I had never felt before. And now I'm back in the in the regular, you know, um, PG thirteen, uh, you know, uh, dot pattern comics that I, I, I that I had escaped. Yeah, so, uh, this was another one where Jordan, when you and Patton were on, and I told you like I read that first issue of Minor Threats and just got mad. <laughs> you know, like oh, what what were all the villains doing during Death uh, Death in the Family? That's such a good idea that feels like it was right there all along. This one I read and I just laughed when I realized what it was. And when I realized that it was all it was all the Vertigo characters. <laughs> it was all these guys who have been Vertigo, but now they're back in the mainline universe. And then you get to that that uh I, I mean this in the the most positive way. Uh but there is that one page uh, that I refer to as that P. Craig Russell ass page, <laughs> uh, where I was like, I was laughing ridiculously at, at 
what you had done. So <laughs> That's funny. a Tess Fowler special right there. Uh, Excellent work. I got Russell ass page. Uh, yeah. That page is so funny because I think, you know, between Tim and Tess, I somehow became this like puritanical pearl clutcher. Uh, where I was like, that's that's too many werewolves having sex there. We have to pull back a little bit, I think. This orgy is getting out of control, guys. <laughs> I was going to ask if it was uh, who's I, who specified those two werewolves fucking in the foreground. That's Tess. 100% Tess. 100% Tess. <laughs> I mean, because one of the things we had talked about, you know, and it, well, the reaction to the book has been really positive, but one of the things Jordan and I noted was that, and I noticed about Local Man too, was like, uh, obviously the the genesis of the story was sort of rooted in the actual business of comics, the real world, and you know, and sort of like, how does those things that happen in the real world affect the actual characters within it? Oh, I noticed like with Local Man, not everybody kind of got the young blood thing and the creator own stuff, and like some of the jokes that or some of the ideas that Tony and I had in there you know, I guess either we hid them too well or most people aren't familiar that people don't really get it. And Jordan and I were talking about this day is that not a lot of people caught that it was the Vertigo characters, which we were sort of surprised by. Oh, I feel like there's a, the calling card is right there on page two. Like the, the, the indicator that, Hey, this is what this is was on page two for me because of the line. I can see six dimensional geometry. <laughs> right because i'm just like I, I and then the art after that but like as soon as i read that i was like i tr- like i looked over my shoulder to be like grant are you here <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah half this comic is us doing a like a grant cover band uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah for sure you know i mean and part of it had to be, it has to feel that way i guess so that you get you know the it has to affect the characters personally and it has to be real for them but you know, for, for us to feel like it's the real thing they're going through, like, we definitely had to sort of pull these things that were specific to the vibe of those comics that may not be important to other people. But for Jordan, I was like, you know, that's the kind of shit these characters say. And that's the kind of experiences they have. And there's always, I think at some point we made some jokes, like someone's always like a werewolf, werewolf but for furniture. And then we ended up in issue two turning that into an actual character. Uh, so it's like, you know... <laughs> <laughs> oh, a werewolf but for furniture is the perfect Silver Age DC concept that was rebooted is as a Vertigo book. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I have to ask because you talked about all the kind of like different kinds of comics that you guys bonded over. So was this always the book? Like this kind of Vertigo take? Or were there other ideas first? Like, if you got, you know, you guys love the Serpent Society so much, was there a chance that in a sliding door scenario, we would have gotten from the world of minor threats Asp Association or something like that? That's always it. I feel like I feel like Tim first. I think you were like, I want to do the mont the horror characters, right of of this yeah. world. And then, you know, you can't help but think of, like, horror characters and then immediately go to Swamp Thing and immediately go to, to you know, a lot of those characters that ended up kind of being brought into the Vertigo book. So, you know, I think we kind of just followed that. And then we're talking about, okay, well, you know, a character who's rebooted and rebooted back. Uh, what does that look like? And we talked a lot about 
I think we all love the early 90s Vertigo before it was even Vertigo. And a lot of those comics like Animal Man and Doom Patrol, uh, you know, Doom Patrol goes from like Eric Larson invasion tie-ins to like crawling from the wreckage within one issue. It's insane. And that you're going to have whiplash if you're those characters uh, being being brought into those kind of more mature reader books. But again, all those books had a foot, you know, or a tether back to the DC universe. Like Sandman was interacting with, you know, the Jack Kirby Sandman. Uh, there was, um, you know, uh, what were some of the other, you know, the Swamp Thing was still running into the Justice League early in the Alan Moore run. Hawkman was in there, which is like Hawkman was in there. So not- yeah, they always had like a foot still in the DC universe, even though they were slowly becoming what would become Vertigo. There was that tether. So we're like, well, what if that tether yanked you back and you had experienced all these emotions and feelings, and your powers had evolved, and your consciousness had evolved, and you got to live a mature reader's life, and then you're back to this world where it's like, oh, you're going to fight crime again and be a dad again, right? And it's like, no, I was the, the the thing that linked all crustacean life together. How can I go back to just being like an atomic monster character? So I don't know that that was so interesting on a, on a character level um, of to explore, you know. See, I think. I, I love this first issue, and maybe you are you are going to do this. I think you need to have a guy who's like, no, it's way better. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean that's the big conflict is that you know, because obviously the, the sort of larger uh, theme and, and the parallels we're making is a bit about addiction, right? It's about being a drug addict, and like you know, all I know a lot of people who are you know addicts but they're they're treated and they're and they don't do those uh, things anymore but i don't think there's a one of them that doesn't basically say like oh yeah it was kind of better when i was drunk all the time or when i was high and i felt so much better then and part of the job is then they have to like find joy in other things that's different but it's never quite you know like i don't think anybody gets out of that without being like that was great that's the problem and i that that's kind of the the thing that these characters are sort of going through because once they have to you know, do this investigation. It's like, they're close to this stuff all the time. They're close to the drug that could make them feel that way. Uh, but it would also like, you know, it, they, they lost years of their life when they went over to this other thing, sort of in the way that every addict has the same experience where they're, you know, years of their life gone, all these relationships burned. Uh, and that's kind of what our characters are going through, you know, tucked under the guise of it being sort of this uh, comics industry, uh, riff, but it, it really is about that stuff. And, you know, Jordan and I both have had experience with addiction stuff and being able to put that stuff into a superhero story. I feel like where you kind of get the most interesting material, cause you're kind of hiding it in this metaphor, but you're trying to make that emotional uh, stuff, the, the really relatable big stuff, the, the, the hinge that the story hangs on. Yeah. Like my addiction history is more, you know, I have 80, uh, ADD. I had, uh, you know, Adderall prescribed me my whole life in college. I would abuse it because it was to me like unlocking my true self, my potential. I was, it was my best self and I didn't want to, you know, meet with people or talk with people or do work or whatever, unless I had, I had unlocked that version of me. And, uh, and then I eventually realized that it wasn't a good fit for me. And I, you know, uh, stopped taking it. And it was a lot of like, how do I get back to that person that felt, like it, like I was, I was better on this drug. This drug brought out the version that I wanted people to see and meet. And you know, I think 
pulling on those kinds of feelings, but instead it's the mature reader version of me was so much more complex and interesting. You know, how do I go back to that? And life is a lot less colorful now, uh, now that I'm not tapped into that. I'm, I'm really interested in the character of the tripper who, you know, clearly has, has kind of experienced the same thing all these other characters have, but is also sort of the, the guide or the constant who, who is leading the, the group sessions and, and kind of helping all the other characters get through it. And he's, he's not exactly John Constantine. I mean, he's very different in many ways, but the character I couldn't help but think of in regards to him is, is Constantine who was sort of like, the character who went all through all of that vertigo period and came out on the other side, not as different as the others. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he's still kind of that John Constantine. Is that what you guys were thinking of with Tripper or, or I, I, I'm just interested in kind of the origin of that character. I mean, he, I think he, he's not, he's the one that doesn't have like an exact I mean, a couple of them don't have exact parallels. I mean, obviously, sort of Crab Louie is kind of our, you know, kind of the Swamp Thing idea, and Persona yeah. is kind of, uh, sort of like the Sandman mystery theater kind of character. But I, he doesn't have an exact parallel. I think, you know, he kind of fills the spot. He's like the maybe kind of the Animal Man, or maybe kind of the Shade the Changing Man, or something a little. But um, but the idea I think was that a lot of people who you know have gone to that other side kind of feel like the only way they can regain themselves as they help other people, right? Like the, that, and for Tripper, he spent all this time sort of giving directions, you know, that's his powers is like he finds things and, and now mm-hmm. he kind of feels useless, I think, because everything he was is accessible via like a, you know, a $80 piece of car equipment or whatever um, that he, you know, he, he's trying to find this sort of new function. I think this is the thing he feels like he can give direction to, you know, so he's kind of he's like, and he will see him feel very conflicted about that, especially in issue three when we get to his origin story and where he went. But um, yeah, when you see what he became in issue three, what his his life was like over in the ledge, it, it kind of gives you insight as to why he feels the need to kind of run this group now. But I was thinking the character who I always thought of when you pitched him was US One. <laughs> oh, see, I didn't think of that. So that's why we got—we're covering each other here. <laughs> He's another hard-traveling hero of the highways, right? The best character. That's a good one. Yeah, I mean, uh, he seemed like I just because, like, I was—I kind of thought of Shade or Animal Man too, because they were sort of like. Then there's a lot of those characters at DC where they were like they—they're very specifically '60s characters, you know. Uh, and there's there's much crazier ones like. Uh, like the whole line of books they did, which was like trying to appeal to teens, and they had like they picked up Binky, and they had like you know those teen books, and and but they'd have superheroes that were kind of you know doing they were swinging cool hip hip kids, and they were such a part of the era, and then kind of when the era's over, like those characters have nowhere to go, you know, because <laughs> like they're so defined in what they were, like Brother Geek or is Pez yeah. the president, teen president, Pez, right? yeah, yeah, Pez. teen president. Yeah, like that kind of ideas where, um, and, and you know, like this a guy in a hot rod, like wearing like a tiki jumpsuit and like aviator glasses, like 
he was at his height in like the late six, like 1967 was Tripper's year, you know? And then he's kind of just figured to try to figure something out. I kind of felt like I wasn't sure exactly what character he was, but I feel like he felt like he belonged in some story that I hadn't read, you know? I think if you put, it's like Prez meets us one on the cover, that's printing money. My friends, (laughs) everyone will know and respond to that the way we have. (laughs) <laughs> yep, exactly. Everyone. I mean, that's I you know, that's one of the things we've learned is like even that you can use these things that you love without everybody knowing about it. If you if you kind of combine it into something new, then you don't have to worry about it. It's like you're you know, Jordan and I know that we can get lost in some you know deep continuity goof offs. That it's not necessarily uh, it's not necessary for us to contain those things in the ideas that we had for them. You can you can restructure them, put it something in. So we know kind of where our the DNA is, but it doesn't really matter to everybody else, which I think is interesting. I am curious because the the four people on this call right now are all people who have this deep and abiding love for what are, to put it bluntly characters nobody else cares about (laughs) like what is it about the serpent society and all of the like 60s characters who wound up in suicide squad and like the the 80s characters who wound up in nowhere really like showing up in maybe jla like what is it about those characters that are those kind of weird cast-offs and forgotten guys that are so appealing to us they're they're more fun to write from a dramatic standpoint because there's tragedy baked into them you know they're the failures they're the guys who picked the worst gimmick and committed to it and that's the life they've led and kind of investigating the why is way more fun than like here's a new spin on superman uh, a superman like character uh which we've seen a lot of i think it's it's I don't know. The the losers who refuse to give up the life uh, is is always the character I'm drawn to. Yeah, I think part of it is the characters that don't take off often are sort of, honestly, a little bit more pure in a weird way. Like, they might often reflect the sort of eccentricities of the people who made them, you know? Like, you think of the, the characters that the Kirby characters that really stick versus the one of the Kirby characters that if you're a Kirby fan, you fucking love because they're so Kirby. You know, like the, the, the things that are sort of deep in this man's specific experience. And, and a lot of those characters, they didn't appeal to a lot of people because they're just a little too eccentric. And, like, we all love Batman. I mean, Chris especially. But Batman is, is a mass appeal, very, you know, it's, it, it's, it's not a very, um, uh, like, eccentric idea, really. Like, it's, it, you know, comes from this long tradition of that kind of stuff. But when people come up with something really weird and really unique like you think of dead man like what a weird idea dead man is and uh, or the creeper or you know some of those dc characters that they should be more popular than they are most of ditko's characters except for spider-man uh they, they like reflect the weirdo that made them you know what i mean <laughs> like they're just and they and because they're so hard to translate for people because they without that weirdo original creator they don't they don't have the heart and soul, you know? So if you can find someone where like you think of Peter Milligan taking on shade and taking that weirdo Milligan idea and making it weirder and making it more personal. And, and, you know, like that's, that's an amazing fucking accomplishment. Like that, that guy should be winning awards his whole life for what he did with that thing or, or, or Grant taking, you know, Arnold Drake ideas and, 
from Doom Patrol and like getting back to what Doom Patrol was supposed to be, which was bizarre body horror and, and stuff. And like that's what Arnold Drake wanted, you know. Uh, that's, and that was the heart of the early Virgo books, right? They were all forgotten characters. They were all like Animal Man was part of a team called the Forgotten Heroes. Doom Patrol was a, was barely selling books and was kind of the forgotten team of the DC universe. You know, Swamp Thing was the random horror character they didn't know what to do with. You know, after Len Wein, like they, they were all. I don't know. Just take these. We have no idea how to sell these. You can go take them into these adult books and explore them and make them flawed humans. Like that was the, that was the Karen Berger, you know, year one vertigo, uh, thing was, was these, no one's using these. You can have them. And I, I think, I think about that all the time. Cause one of my, I, I, I appreciate, you know, I, I appreciate Watchmen and dark Knight returns. I, I do. They're technical masterpieces, but what they did is actually sort of a bummer because they took these superhero characters and what they changed about them is they made them not for kids. And the, the way they made them not for kids was like, make them old or make them have problems that kids don't care about, like impotence and you know what I mean? And that it's valid, but it sort of wrecks a lot of things about superheroes. And then we went through 30 years of like superheroes ain't just for kids. And now their superheroes aren't for kids at all. Uh, and so like what I liked about the Virgo ones is it's not that it's not, they didn't make them grim and gritty. You know, they, they made them sort of, they gave them more adult potential but like it was really just about the, the the vibe and how strange it was, and like that it was off kilter, and that often it was somewhat political, or, or that it had gay characters in it, right? I mean, that was a huge part that Vertigo added to stuff was that you know Shade had gay characters, had a trans character, Shade himself changed genders, and this was in like 1992, you know. So it's like I think it's a, it's sometimes important to think of why those things were adult books, and it's not necessarily just like oh because now Superman blows dudes up, you know, like that's, that's like such a dumb adult idea. Well, it's, it's, they were counterculture, right? Like when the doom patrol was created, I I think there was a thought that like these characters will be successful. Like the people will like them and this book will sell and become the new hot book. And then like, it's not, and in the 90s, I feel like the 90s at Vertigo was the period where it was like creators could say, what if we made superheroes counterculture figures? Right. And yeah, that's so different from, you know, Dark Knight Returns that's just dark. Or like instead of what if we made Batman a fascist? <laughs> you know? just, yeah. I, like, and I, there's value in all of those things, but I I think they're overvalued. Whereas I think some of the these ideas are, are really kind of undervalued. You know, they're they're more, and they're often more pure to the original creator's intent than than certainly you know Watchmen would have been right. You know, they're the Charlton characters, and certainly uh, when Dicko made up, you know. Uh, the question he wasn't thinking like I'd like him to be a total right wing nutter conspiracy guy, you know, with with a uh, a hooker mother who beats him. Like, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Like that that's totally outside of probably the original intent. I am fascinated by this, and I feel like we could talk about it for hours because I am fascinated both by like comics and also by the way people the way people read comics and the way people understand them and i feel like there is a like a strain of 
comics reader that really unites the four of us and a lot of our listeners who should definitely be checking out the alternates. That is the strain of comics reader that likes to uh, make another strain of comics reader mad by referring to the Vertigo Sandman as a legacy character in a reboot. (laughs) True. True, yes. Uh, But for now, I think we need to uh, kick it over to our listeners to see if they have any questions for you. Uh, Matt, if the people want to get in on these conversations that we have on occasion with uh, friends like Jordan and Tim, how exactly can they go about that? Uh, well, what they don't want to do is go to Twitter, throw that in the trash, click the button on your browser that is the letter X, because you don't want it. That's not where you can ask questions on this show anymore. Wait, wait, which which button that says X? Because <laughs> the one that closes the window. Okay, that, okay, yes. The yeah. one in the corner, the red one. Uh, on a Mac. It's is it not red anymore on Windows? It's been a while. It was red last time I used a PC. Instead, go to these places. Go to our Discord, which you have to be invited to be a member of, but we're nice. We'll send you an invitation if you ask for one. Or go to Blue Sky at uh warrocketajax.bsky.social and uh, we'll put out the call for questions for our guests and you can ask a question uh just like these you're about to hear for Tim Seeley and Jordan Bloom. Uh, we'll start with a question from our Discord. Uh, this is from Chris Kaiser. We've been talking about comics we love. Uh, so Chris wants to know, what comic book would you swear yourself into political office on? <laughs> oh man, Jordan, what would, you t- what would you pick? I would want it to be a, a very, like, obscure Claremont X-Men. Like I don't want Dark Phoenix, you know, or Days of Future Past, just a very random in the middle of the run uncanny X-Men. Perfect. <laughs> Get that one with the leprechauns and Cassidy Keep. That's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. If I'm being realistic, I guess I'm gonna have to say like probably Savage Dragon number one. Uh, is probably what I would really pick. Uh, or I pick the uh, the Animal Man issue with the Coyote uh, Crucifixion. That's that's a real good one, too. Coyote, Coyote Gospel? Yeah, I love that one. Yeah, that's a good one. Chris, do you have an answer for this? Uh, yeah, it would be uh, The Last Days of Superman. Mine would be Action Comics Annual Volume 1, Number 3, the Armageddon 2001 tie-in, <laughs> in which Superman is being sworn in as president on the cover. Whoa, that's true. Oh, that's yeah, you'd win on that one. Would it be treasonous if I picked Alpha Flight number one to be sworn in as a U.S. president? <laughs> yeah. It would be funny. <laughs> Here's a question from Patrick O.D., Boss Dog, on our Discord. Does the Minor Threat universe have capacity for its vil- villainous hirelings, ninjas, and assorted hench persons to unionize? We need more union representation, better conditions, fewer murders. Well, I think you can tell by our love of Serpent Society, uh, we're always thinking about u- villains unionizing. Are they the only unionized villains that we know of in the Marvel or DC universe? <laughs> I believe so. Um, I, think, yeah. I think AIM goes on strike is, is money on the table. <laughs> That's true. That's true. 
Yes, I think uh, that's something we would love. I think I, Pat and I probably talked about. It. I think I wouldn't say we go as far as as unionizing, but uh, Frankie's plans for the low level villains of um, of Redport, I think, resemble a union. So wait and see. In Minor Threats Volume Two. Uh, here's an interesting question from Tom Tificate dot bsky dot social on blue sky tom spielman uh when creating a distaff superhero world how hard is it to think of wholly new ideas versus the temptation to tweak what has come before i mean everything's inspired by something right like you're not ever going to invent anything some out of like whole cloth yeah because there's only so many templates for superheroes that work everybody's kind of i mean it's 80 years worth of two major companies pumping that shit out and then Lots and lots of other companies giving it a shot, right? It's like, to some degree, you know, most of the available big versions have been done, and most of the stuff since the '70s has been some version of responding to something else, right? <laughs> like, that, yeah. pragmatically. Uh, I mean, but even Superman was inspired by circus strongmen, and yeah, and the, he was the the book uh, that uh, the Gladiator, right? I mean, Superman was a version of Gladiator, essentially. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so it's like there's I, those versions of it, you know. Yeah, and I don't think there's anything wrong with starting at like a launching place of of a previous story. Obviously, you know, we talked about Death in the Family or you know Swamp Thing or Animal Man, but I think where you end up is usually completely different. And you know, like we said, people aren't even picking up on some of these influences because the the books evolve into their their own identity. Yeah, I'm always surprised, like with Milka Man, the team third gen is like. They're a 90s superhero team, but they're not super directly, like, there's not, like, a Sentinel guy, and there's not a Shaft. You know, I mean, Shaft, I guess, is cross-check, but, uh, but like, it's just the vibe, I think. And if you if you feel the vibe of it and, and just don't make, like, well, some of the early image stuff was like, hey, here's Wolverine with a red costume. You know, <laughs> that's, like, the that's where it goes the wrong direction. But I think if you use the, 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 the inspiration and the nugget to create something new, I think you're doing, you're doing good work. Have you heard from Rob at all? Yeah, he did. Went to a signing uh, that Tony did in L.A. I think he picked the book up. Uh, you know, we 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 dedicate it to him, and we hope that he uh, hope he loves it. Oh, nice. Uh, Jolene Hinch People's Union Rep on our Discord <laughs> wants to know uh, a common question on the internet right now: How often do you think about the Roman Empire? <laughs> Man, you know what? I think about it kind of often because it collapsed and fell and went away. And, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and sometimes you feel like you're in the you're in that, right? I mean, sometimes you you know, republics almost always last like 250, 200, 250 years. What we're on two forty something, <laughs> so I don't know. I think about it. Yeah, every time I open a news site, I guess. <laughs> oh, oh, oh boy. Getting topical the other day. Uh, how often I think about the Roman Empire, and I was like, virtually every day. But I do co-host a podcast about the Bible, so true. That's sort of your uh, business. That's your area. Yeah, my my wife, who is also on TikTok, also asked me that question, and my answer was just, I don't know when I need to. <laughs> That's a good too. <laughs> Uh, Stone Cold HCC, an account that exists only to ask questions on War Rocket Ajax, wants to know, hey, don't y'all think the Super Bowl halftime performance this year should just be a comics podcast? 
<laughs> oh, we could use it. We could use the exposure. <laughs> so yeah. you guys see yeah. that happen. Uh, kick Rihanna and whoever the hell else has got to announce they're pregnant uh, this time. Just set up, plop down, start talking about uh, some uh, some Batman Brave and the old uh, issues from the 70s, I think. Yeah, would you guys change anything about the show to make it work better for the Super Bowl half, uh, halftime show or costuming, well, anything like that? They would have to make the halftime show 90 minutes. We're not, we're not breaking the format. Yeah, we're not breaking the format. <laughs> Sorry. Alex Chung on our Discord says, Tim, please tell us a cool Slash story since working on Deathstalker. Oh, yeah. I mean, so I thought, I guess when, when they told me, like, um, hey, Slash owns uh, or, or is, you know has the rights to do something with uh, Deathstalker and he wants to do a comic, and I was like, oh, cool. So I just figured that would just be like, you know, then I would never hear from him again. Uh, but every Zoom we do, there's just like Slash in the corner, <laughs> just like hanging out. Uh, and just, he like just listens and then he has some great opinion and that's it. He, he's that guy. He's like a sniper. You know, he's not like me, which I was shotgun, like throwing out all kinds of crap all the time. Like slash sits in, he listens to all the ideas and then he like pops in, says something cool. And then it's, he's exactly what you think he would be, uh, which is kind of amazing. Uh, but yeah, he's like, he's really involved in it. He super loves this stuff. Uh, he's a huge, like eighties BHS guy. Um, so Yeah. You weren't kidding that you got all new famous friends. <laughs> uh, does he like Hack Slash because his name is in it, in the title? I, I was too timid to ask him. Uh, I was just like, <laughs> I was going to make some joke where I would like, I'm going to kill Vlad and then you're going to take the play. I was going to, you know, I was like, yeah, I'm just not going to do it. Like, I just felt like, because to me, like, you know, certainly like meeting actors and stuff is a weird side effect of the job and wrestlers and all that kind of stuff. It happens in comics, but like, you know, Slash is like a real celebrity to me. When when that album, came, you know, when uh, Use Your Illusion came out or, you know, like that stuff like changed my life at the time. So like it's Appetite for Destruction, uh, you know, so that's like, a, that's a, it's a different moment for me. So I tried, I'm just hanging on trying to not be a weirdo, basically, every time I talk to him. Tim, that's great. But I need you to not do that. Because <laughs> I need a favor from you. Yeah. I need you to ask him why that dude just fucking goes hard and and jumps through that wedding cake in the November Rain video. Man, so it's funny you should bring that up. I was thinking about it because my friend Aaron and I in, high, in junior high made a promise to each other after watching that video 100,000 times on MTV that summer that when we got married, we would jump through each other's cakes. Uh, and it didn't happen. And I feel like I've, you know, I've... Something is wrong in the universe because we did not jump through each other's cakes November rain style. I was it's, I was totally thinking about that the other day when I was talking to him. And I, and I did not ask. <laughs> so good reason you to renew your vows. What's that? Yeah, you need, you need a new ceremony. Yeah, yeah. Have another one. <laughs> and make sure yeah. the slash shows up and leaves halfway through the ceremony to go rip a solo outside <laughs> in the rain. Uh, I wish. This is going to have to be our last question uh, from Kate Biscuit, boss dog name from our Discord. What has made the Minor Threat universe so pl- fun to play with for you both? I don't know. It's a, it's what every comic fan has, where you you read a million stories and you think about what you would do differently, and um, or or I think the whole 
makeup of the line for all the books that get pitched to us and the ones that we're, we're putting out is just show me something I haven't seen before. You know, what's a story, a point of view uh, I've yet to see in comics. And we try to just kind of find stories that align with that. And then also uh, uh, Scott Hepburn Designs and Tim. Tim and Scott got, uh, got to collaborate on uh, all the, these designs. So seeing those come together was like the coolest thing in the world. Yeah, I mean, and for me, a big part of it is Scott because that guy's such an incredible superhero artist and a designer. Um, and I think the for me, the big part that really connected and and I I love funny superhero stuff. And Minor Threats is full of funny stuff, but most superhero fans fucking hate humor in superhero books, like because it reminds them that these things were created for children. You know, it's like so. There's this like weird backlash. But the first comic I ever got published professionally was called Love Bunny and Mr. Hell. And it was a superhero comedy, uh, and no one ever bought it. And I had to turn the idea into a slasher series for anyone to care, because horror fans are okay with you making fun of shit. But, uh, but it's funny. I mean, there's a character named uh, Shit Eater, and there's, you know, <laughs> he's a fly. And then there's, you know, all these puns about names and characters. And they just, it's funny, and we just accept it, and we move on, and those characters can have actual emotional uh, story arcs, and they can have connections, and they can have stakes you know like that's a big part of the what i always loved about and one of my favorite comics of all time is the tick the ben edlund area era of tick because yeah it was hilarious but also like there was there was stakes there for tick like he you know i mean he was invincible and he had to worry he's not invincible so he didn't really have to worry about get hurt but like you felt for him because he was a big weirdo and you know like and he was he had arthur and arthur was trying to you know just get by with having the only friend that he knows be, you know, a total bumbling, uh, destructive person. And so, you know, that part of it, that relatability, but also funny is a way I think is so good about minor threats. The alternates is a book you should all go by. Uh, our guests have been Tim Seeley and Jordan Bloom. Uh, Tim and Jordan tell our listeners where they can find you, where they can find your stuff, uh, where they can grab, uh, alternates. And uh, and whatever else you want them to know, uh, I'm Bloom Jordan on all those stupid places, and then uh, the alternates is at your local comic store. Came out uh, this Wednesday, so I guess uh, it'll be uh, still out on the racks uh, next week when this comes out. Uh, and I'm uh, on Twitter at Hack and Tim Seeley, though like Jordan, I've become disillusioned with the place, uh, and uh, so I'm mostly trying to do. Uh, I'm on blue sky at the same name and uh on instagram at tim seeley i post more art there and no opinions so if you hate my opinions but want to see me draw that's the place to go our guests have been jordan bloom and tim seeley fellas thank you so much for joining us this was a blast uh and uh i love the book thanks thanks for having us yeah happy to talk to you good we have to make it uh uh, f- quicker next time that we catch up, Chris, not uh, 12, 160,000 episodes or whatever it was. Agreed. Agreed. Thanks once again to Jordan Bloom and Tim Seeley for joining us for the show. Uh, always fun to talk to those dudes. It felt like we could have talked for many, many hours more. But Baby. such is the nature of podcasting. Baby, we could talk all night. But that... <laughs> And getting us nowhere. Hey, that's the end of the show. Thanks for listening.
we will be back next time. We've got another guest lined up for next week's show, which should be fun. Someone else that we uh, enjoy speaking to about comic books. Uh, so that should be a very fun time. Please yes. do not miss out on that. Yes. And there are ways to contact us if you would like to do that. You can email us at our email address, which is warrocketpodcast at gmail.com. You can also hit us up on Tumblr at warrocketpodcast.tumblr.com. We're on Blue Sky at warrocketajax.bluesky.social. And uh, the best place to contact us, to have conversations with fans, to hang out and have a chill, fun, good time, is our Discord, which you must be invited to be a member of. But as long as you request a an, an invitation from us, uh, we will get you one uh, if you're nice about it and you say that you're a nice person and you show that you're a nice person. Please don't go to our Discord and be a bad, mean person. Okay? Thanks. WarRocketAjax.com is our website. It is the place with every single episode of the show that we've ever done over the course of 13, 14 years? I think we have passed 14 now, yeah. Time, it does fly. WarRocketWiki.com is the fan-run repository of all the information you could ever need about this very podcast, WarRocketAjax, so go check that out, too. If you want to find me and my stuff... You can go to mattdwilson.net. It has links to my books, my comics, my other podcasts, and my social media presences. Chris, where can people find you? Everybody can find me by going to the-isb.com. That is my website. It has links to all the stuff I do. You can find them all there. See you next time, everybody. As Chris said, we have a great guest lined up next week, so come back for that. Yeah, be here when we do that show. And until then, hey everybody, don't forget, Black Lives Matter. Trans rights are human rights. As are abortion rights. Drag is not a crime. And cops, they're not your friends. But we love you. We love you. Flash.